Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Flyers Talk Podcast. Katie Emmer, as always, with Jordan Hall. And Jordan, another special guest. I love this. I love it when we have people that join us for some uh, some talk about pucks. And he's making another appearance on the Flyers Talk Podcast today. I hope he knows what day it is. Another great guest and a guy that's been on with us before. And he's been conducting a ton of interviews with all types of awesome people. Joe Fordyce, our Flyers pre- and post-game live producer. Joe, thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, happy to be with you guys again. And uh, uh, Katie, I-, I don't know if I know what day it is, but I know that we're going to try to get pucks deep on this podcast. That's yes! what I know. <laughs> I don't know if I'm clapping yeah. too loud. And, to the and maybe get a few pucks on are. that. Maybe get <laughs> yes. a few pucks on that. We completely are going to be doing that. We do that every day. Yeah, um, again, for our lo- new listeners out there that may not know, Katie Emmer, Jordan Hall, huge hockey cliche lovers here. Um, we love bringing them up on the podcast. So, Joe, this is um, just one of the many reasons why we love having you on the podcast, just because you brighten our day with some good cliches. Well, there's only two kind of people. There's people that love hockey cliches, and there's people that are lying. Yeah. Right? <laughs> hey, and there's people that love a good Springsteen photo at their house. Uh, our listeners oh, that don't have the video, they can't see it, but – our uh, pre- and post-game producer, Joe Fordyce, has a nice photo. Just it, it looks like you positioned that perfectly, Joe, just trying to give him some love on the yeah. video here. Yeah, I like the shot here. It's, uh, it's a little Bruce uh, uh, art, artistic work there with the words to Born to Run making up the picture. So it's, uh, yeah, it's a good, it's a, it was a gift from my girlfriend. Good, oh, that's good nice. Stuff. Yeah. Do you want to tell our listeners um, maybe the flack you're giving Jordan and I before we went live and just like maybe how you make fun of us because we might not know his nickname because we are not born in that era? Well, you know, I wasn't <laughs> born in the 70s either. So, you know, I'm not that old. Uh, I oh, just I, I thought maybe I don't know. I, maybe millennials don't know about the boss. I need to educate. Oh, you guys. my goodness. <laughs> So this is also why we love Joe. He likes to uh, pick on us for uh, our age, Jordan. Isn't that so nice? Yes, and he's good with Flyers history uh, for I'll, that reason. So you know, we'll heck yeah. we'll take that insight. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, you know, we always um, we always have. Gosh, I say always. There's some days we maybe don't have too many updates in this kind of moment, especially with um, the NHL. Let's get into some hockey talk on that note. We do have an update as of today, this Thursday. Um, so yesterday, Wednesday, uh, Gary Bettman comes out, you guys saying he's looking at a four city plan. And again, this has been this whole entire NHL pause every day or every couple of days or once a week or anything. They're always pitching different ideas just on different scenarios. 
this is the most recent one. We talked about those bubble cities, Jordan and I, and Joe, you were even on too. We, we were talking about that kind of crazy possibility. And for any of those listeners out there, I'm sorry, but we won't be seeing a Stanley Cup playoff at Ralph Engelstead Arena in North Dakota or any other situation like that. The bubble city idea is in the rearview mirror as Gary Bettman comes out and says this four-city plan as of now. Carolina, Edmonton, and uh, Minnesota are two potential – or can't count today, apparently. Again, don't know what day it is, and I can't count. Those are three potential um, in the front-running favorite for those, again, four arenas. Guys, a lot to break down here. Let's just start with that whole topic of um, – what do we think of the four arenas? I mean, is this maybe the most flashy option we've seen so far? Joel, let's start with you. Um, I think it's an interesting idea, but the, the issue I have with it is, so my, my assumption is the plan is to finish the regular season in these four arenas. But then what happens with the playoffs? Because if you're assigning division to arena, then the playoffs have a bunch of interdivision matchups. The Flyers currently would play the Penguins, so that would be an interdivision matchup. But my question is, how do they handle it as the playoffs go on? Matchups change. Teams in different arenas are then would as the bracket breaks down would be facing each other. So are these teams then traveling? And what do the series look like? I feel like there's. I feel like there is a basis for an idea there, but there's still a lot of questions that remain. And I feel like the traveling one is a big thing because the, there's only, you know, what, a handful of games, 12, 13 games left in the regular season if the plan is to start with those games. So I can see that, but what is the plan for the playoffs that as the playoffs go on? Yeah, and you talked about the travel there. Um, Jordan, we had Scott Hartnell on. He was talking about if he was still a player – you have to make some executive decisions. Like you might not be home for the birth of your child or, or things like that. I mean, that's of course a scenario for only a handful of guys in the league right now, but you don't know how long you're going to be away from your family. That's another topic with this too. Yeah. My guess is like, what Joe was touching on was that, um, you know, they would focus on finishing the regular season first in this type of scenario. And then I guess when it gets to the playoffs and obviously, yeah, you, you have some yeah. more decisions there. But absolutely, you know, if, if you're making these players um, travel to this one city and stay there for stretches of time, uh, that's a pretty big adjustment for a lot of people. Um, you know, players are used to maybe long road trips, maybe five, six, seven games where they're traveling to and from a city. Uh, but yeah, this would definitely be different for them. Uh, it would be a long, long periods of time away from family. Um, when do they get to return to their families? Uh, how many people are going to these cities? Um, I guess the idea or the, the logic behind it is that it's at least contained to a certain extent where instead of playing, you know, in a bunch of cities, you know, you're limiting it to three or four. And at least the NHL can try to put it in a controlled environment as much as they can, where they know for the most part where everyone is, there's, um, there's the, the right amenities for everyone. Um, it's a fair across the, the you know, if, uh, it's fair across the board. And then again, uh, it's, it's as safe as possible because you're not putting a variety of different teams in 20, 30 cities. It's, you know, it's contained. So that's good. But um, yeah, it's still a lot of questions though. And, and Gary Bettman said the other day, 
uh, on Sportsnet, uh, not the other day, but on Wednesday on Sportsnet, that this is not contingent. It's, you know, this is just an idea. Just like yeah. we've heard ideas about neutral sites, just like we've heard ideas about different playoff formats, uh, when they might resume, when they might uh, start the playoffs, just all types of things. So uh, I think it's an idea and I think it's a decent one, but uh, there's still a lot of questions to it, don't you think, Katie? Yeah, and going to that idea topic, we're, we definitely, I think we could all agree, we are thankful to be seeing ideas. It's not just, okay, this is over, this may be over. There's an idea every day. There's people working to try to figure this out. For me, I have a hard time. Like, of course, I know the regular season's important, right? You want to finish that. I mean, if we're, if we're really ranking it, though, of course, the playoffs are the most important right now. For the Flyers, I get that there's teams that are trying to get in. There's a different scenario you might have to look at. But for me, I just find it, like, so much more important to just focus on the playoffs at this point as we get closer and closer. And, of course, hey, if we know a start date soon here, then, of course, we could look into the regular season. For me, um, when I'm just focusing on the playoffs, this whole idea would be probably the most glamorous option I've seen so far. Yes, it's, it's going to be a crazy thing to see – three games happen and NHL teams running through the same arena, like a state hockey tournament. Right. I mean, it's yeah. going to be a very different scenario. And of course, as we're on that topic, it's reminding me of maybe the Minnesota state hockey tournament, especially if it's at you know, one of these arenas being the XL energy center. Of course, that's just different teams, but for the flyers right now, it could be Carolina. Um, this is going to be a different uh, scenario for sure. You're going to have, uh, like I said, three games a day. What's that going to look like for the broadcast things that are just, all together, just big question marks. But it is an idea, Jordan, as you mentioned. I agree with it right now. I would just, you know, to answer your question, I would think that it is the most sort of ideal option I've seen so far. And I know maybe it doesn't sound ideal to other people to have, okay, maybe you see no fans, um, but the no fans thing has been out forever. Right, Joe? I mean, right, Jordan? This has been something we've heard. Like, no fans are possibly an option. For hockey to be played, for playoffs to happen, whatever it's gonna, whatever it's gonna take, I would think this is the most um, glamorous option I've seen. Just because, you know what? It says hockey is gonna be back. It says we're gonna have playoffs. Well, you know what, Katie? Also, what it does is it it familiarizes sports people with something they've seen before. The NCAA tournament has four regional sites. This is four regional sites. Now, there's not not going to be as many games but you're going to have results coming in from four different places. Excuse me, the NCAA tournament has much more in the first round, and then it gets broken down as they get to the Sweet 16. So again, like I said before, I feel like that's the biggest question is, what are the locations as the playoff format breaks down and the you know, teams get eliminated and things like that? What, what is exactly the plan there? How is it covered by the media? is obviously yeah. a big question because that greatly affects the amount of people that are going to be in these buildings, which is obviously the main concern is the amount of people that are going to be in these buildings. And uh, otherwise this wouldn't be an issue. If, if you weren't trying to limit the amount of people in buildings, this wouldn't be talked about. And you mentioned before how this is just another one of these ideas. I don't know if you guys felt the same way, but when I saw this idea come out, I felt like this idea had a little more substance to it than some of the other stuff that's been thrown out there because this, for one, it was acknowledged by people in the league and close to the league. And I feel like other 
ideas have more been like a media creation type things. And then other people chipping and saying, yeah, that's a possibility. These ones were acknowledged by people in the league. And I feel like this seems like they, there's more to it. Like there's, they have, maybe they have a little bit of a plan that they need to fine tune as opposed to starting from scratch. I don't know if you guys feel the same way. About this play, this current one, Judd? Yeah, I just felt like this one had a little more. When I saw this plan and read about this plan, I felt like this one had a little more to it than the other things, the bubble city idea. Because when the bubble city idea started getting thrown around in NHL circles, it seems like a lot of people kind of blew it off and said, well, you know, it's just an idea. And this one seems like it was given credence at least a little bit of credence by people that matter, the people that are going to be part of making these decisions. I feel like they gave this a little more credence and I'm not sure if you guys had the same takeaway from it this week. No, I agree. Like the one was like the neutral site um, opinion. Like there wasn't a ton of credence there because you think like, okay, well do these smaller college arenas or what have you have all the accessories for the players and for the amount of people uh, for the media um, to be able to broadcast this um, or uh, for the teams, obviously, to <laughs> be able to go there, stay there, and get everything that they have. And quite frankly, they probably didn't. Whereas Gary Bettman said a lot of these NHL arenas uh, have practice facilities uh, because these teams are going to be there for uh, ex- expanded periods of time where they're going to have to practice and have the amenities that you know to keep them going and um, to push through, you know, a period of like 13 games, 12, 11, 13 games. So yeah, to me, this was one of the more realistic ones that, uh, one of the more realistic cases that we've heard. And obviously the NHL is definitely looking at it. Uh, it wasn't just kind of an idea that was like, Oh, it sounds cool. Like, no, there was, um, definitely some credence to it. And, uh, I think the players, I think would be open to it. Um, like you said, uh, and like we've said, they'll be familiar with these areas. Uh, they've played in these arenas before. It sounds like it'll be, you know, hopefully, uh, well thought out and safe. Um, I think the big thing too, is I think it would have to get, uh, okayed by, you know, government officials and the, and the, the officials in those respective cities, because it's kind of funny. You think, um, in, in regular times when you're not dealing with a pandemic, uh, these cities would love to host these events. It's, you know, it's great for um, the economy within uh, those cities. Whereas now it's like, there's probably some concern among people, among locals in, in these respective cities, because, you know, it's a big, that's a big step. It's, you know, you're welcoming a lot of people from different parts of the world traveling into your city. Uh, so again, I think this is down the line. It's going to be when things are a lot different and hopefully we've taken progressive steps uh, in this whole pandemic. But, um, at least a good thought. I, I yeah. agree. Yeah. And I would have to say the same. It's just like, as I was saying earlier, to me, it is the most glamorous option because of that show. It just has more substance to it. You have, I don't know, just, it, it, of course, this is an abnormal season. Uh, it's going to be different no matter what in the record books, but you can put a, you know, a bright spot on it. And like Jordan said, have some cities that have some life to them. I mean, make a, a you know, a good thing out of something so hard right now. And, you know, this could be something really cool, I think. And no matter what, hey, if you can award a Stanley Cup, we know Batman wants that. And, you know, the league wants that. 
why not? If you have an option, like I said earlier, if skates hit the ice and we see a puck drop, you guys, I think we're going to be happy no matter what circumstance. Um, and that's, I think all fans want at this point, of course, it's, it's going to be tough if you have no fans in, in the, the crowd. I, uh, Jordan, you, you mentioned too, you think the players would be open to it. And I agree with that to a certain point. Like, of course, these guys are getting paid, right? They're getting paid to do this. This is their job. They have to do it um, in a way. I just, they do have families. It's just hard for me to, going again, back to what we, we talked about with Hartnell. If you're talking like you have to go out for the first round or the second round, of course, those are going to be simplified. Like, we don't see them maybe being the extensive rounds we're used to. So they could just crank out these games. But it is like, okay, then do they not, do they quarantine and they can't go home because they have to be safe with their team? Like, of course you have to do what you have to do. And I would imagine all players understand that they want to, uh, to compete. Um, but it's just, there's going to be some complications there that, you know, you also have to remember these guys are humans and that would be hard for me. Of course, I obviously don't play in the NHL guys, but yeah. I think that would be hard for me to just, you have to do it. You, you kind of like a lot of us didn't sign up for this, right? Like we didn't imagine this was going to happen in the season. You get through it, and I would imagine they're in that that same boat. But like Joe, I don't know. I just I remember Hartnell on. He was saying like for him in this case scenario, his wife's due in a matter of weeks, and um, he was just saying like if it came down to it, you're you're a dad, you're a family guy, like you want to be there. Where where would you stand on that? Do you have maybe a, a feeling that this might be hard for some of these players? As a father, I can say that it would it would be hard. Yeah, but I'm not used to traveling like these guys are, so. Um, it's, you know, it, it's, it's a different perspective, but I, I think when we're talking about this, it's not as simple as like, okay, we're just going to show up at the city and we're going to play games. How many players have we heard so far say we need 10 days to two weeks to get players on the ice to skate before anybody considers playing a game. So where are these training camps going to take place? if we're sending a handful of teams to the same arena to play games, are these teams practicing? Because there's not going to be practice time on the ice if there's three games a day. Five teams can't train in the same building. Um, there's just a lot of, a lot of things um, that need to be worked out because I, yeah. I highly doubt in a, in a situation where teams are being shipped off to four different cities – that their practice facilities in their own cities are going to be open to have them practice there. Because especially in the Flyers case, the Flyers practice facility is a public building. You can go in there. There's public skates. Now, of course, all those things can be canceled, but that doesn't mean that there's not risk there when you have, when you're in a, a city or in the suburbs of a city, the size of Philadelphia, or the size of, you know, pick your team out there that's going to make the playoffs. So where are these teams going to practice if their own buildings aren't open leading up to these four cities where teams are going to play? So I, I think there's, it's a lot more than just being about the games. There's yeah. so many other factors. Um, yeah. Cause and, then are you, are you almost looking into like, say it, you know, one of these four city, four arenas, if that is what happens, each team that's going to be competing and getting back to it, are they going to have to have their own separate training camp on a certain time slot of that arena? And like the next right. team comes through and the next team, like that's a great point. Well, you mentioned too, like out of these cities that are being discussed, okay, Minnesota is going to have other hockey rinks. It's a big hockey city. There's a lot of little rinks. So they could probably say, okay, 
Team X practices at this rink. Team Y practices at that rink. Edmonton, right. the same thing. But if you think about a city like Raleigh, North Carolina, I don't think they're, you know, they're not tripping over ice rinks in Raleigh, North Carolina. It's not, you know, it's in the scope of the whole league, it's a newer hockey city. So it's, I don't think there's equal footing at every city in terms of accommodating hockey. So that, that's another thing, you know, it might be easy to practice hockey in Minnesota or Edmonton, but it's not going to be easy in Raleigh, North Carolina to have the same amenities that the teams that are playing in those other cities are used to having. So I think, I think there's a lot of things that don't have to do with the games that need to be worked out still. And I think the league is definitely looking at what Katie was talking about, the, the amount of time or the length of time that players would be away from, you know, family and loved ones. And um, the reason I think they're looking at that is, you know, th there was that one crazy reported uh, proposal for baseball where apparently these teams were going to be away for about four to five months and playing in one city. That's, cr that's a long, long time. That's just simply not realistic to ask people to be away from their family and loved ones. I think the NHL was looking at possibly wrapping up the regular season with these triple headers and by, you know, kind of putting a lot of games in one day and maybe trying to squeeze it into like a three-week process. So maybe they're hoping that these players can jam it into a three-week process. If you think a long road trip sometimes can be 12 to 14 days maybe. So that's like two weeks. So yeah, it would definitely be, and I don't want to downplay at all what, um, what it's like for these players to have to, you know, quarantine by themselves in another city and be away from loved ones. But yeah. maybe they're thinking, hey, if we can get this done in a three-week process, that's, um, that's justifiable and it'll be safe. And then we can refocus on getting players maybe back home for periods of time and getting the playoffs going. Um, so that, that, that where, that's where I think, yeah, it's definitely doable. And I think players would be open to it um, yeah. as difficult as it would be. I think they'd be open to it. But um, well, uh, I actually think, Jordan, what you just said there, I think is a potential pitfall of a plan like this is when you have that much focus on the final 12 or 13 games of the regular season, the playoffs are usually, and everyone would agree, that should be the focus. Yeah. But when there's that much thought being put into how to finish the regular season, who's working on the playoff plan? And yeah. what is the playoff plan? Because you got to imagine the playoff plan is going to include people quarantining themselves as well. Yeah. So, and it's not like there's this whole group of time that they have to play with to take time between the end of the regular season and the playoffs. I mean, what we're yeah. used to is maybe the season ending on a Sunday, the playoffs start on a Wednesday, which is two and a half days later, say. Yeah. Um, so if you're talking about moving cities in between those two, I, I feel like, um, I feel like what, the, what happened yesterday or earlier this week was there was a headline put, put out, but the meat of the story is not yet written yet. Yeah. And yeah. the meat of the story would be how do they transition to the playoffs? How do these teams travel if they have to? How does the playoff bracket get broken down? And how do you keep public safety in mind when you're laying out this plan? Because as we know, if you put those teams 
plus media from each of those teams in a building, you're talking about well over a hundred people. It's, you're talking yeah. about hundreds of people, plural. So I really think there's, you know, there's a lot of that stuff still to be figured out. And I'm glad. Just, Sorry, Katie. Oh, I mean, I was going to say, like, I just find the playoffs more important than the regular season. I mean, like, I understand bubble teams, you guys, they need a, like, there's a different scenario there I think you look at, but like trying to force the regular season and the playoffs, like, I just find it at this point, no matter what, it's an abnormal circumstance. Get the playoffs, award the Stanley Cup. Um, don't affect too much of next season. Just, I don't know. That's just how I stand on it. No, I'm with you, Katie, too. Like, they, you already played the majority of the season. Like, that's a big bulk of work. It's not just like, hey, they play 25 games and then they have to go to the playoffs. And it's like, well, we had the, you know, three quarters of the season left or anything. Like, no, you played the majority of the season, cut it off where it is, and just, yeah, focus on the playoffs. Like, let's just try to finish this thing. I, I'm a little surprised the NHL maybe is – still kind of gung-ho on trying to get the regular season in. I, I understand maybe a few games before the playoffs, but, you know, some team, a lot of teams had like 13 games left. That's just a lot. But yeah. I guess we'll say – and I think it's why we kind of – if you ever see Gary Bettman in some of these interviews, you sense like a little bit of impatience when these topics are brought up. And I think the reason he's a little impatient with some of these things are because these are ideas, and when the ideas get out – the fans and social media and all that world kind of twists it and all of a sudden starts thinking, well, that can't work. Well, that could work. And we're like, wow, that's crazy. When really for the NHL, it's an idea. There's, it's, they're not, you know, saying this is what we're doing. It's just an idea and they're trying to look at it and see how it might work. Whereas when it gets out to the public, uh, people kind of run with it as if it's like, Hey, this is what we're doing. So yeah. I, I can kind of see why Bettman kind of says like, Hey, listen, like, please, we are just, you know, kind of slowly looking into this. It's nothing set in stone. Let's just right. see see what happens. But uh, speaking, yeah, of- it's it's interesting though to think about this too. So if you're if you're doing these four different buildings to play out the rest of the regular season, what is the percentage of those regular season games that are going to mean absolutely nothing? Yeah, I mean, you're going to have games between teams like I'm just using this arbitrarily: the Kings and the Sharks, two teams that aren't going anywhere. But maybe a game between the two what remains on the schedule, and then you're just kind of wasting time playing out a game that, for all intents and purposes, means nothing. And mm-hmm. when again, as both of you said, the focus should be on the playoffs, getting the playoffs right. And I find it hard to believe you could kind of have the best of both worlds: finish the regular season and make the playoffs as best as they can be. I don't know yeah. if both of those things are possible. Yeah, I, I just, I, yeah, I think we're all on the same page with that. Like, I'm kind of like, I know you want to have what you were planning to have the whole time. I know there's money involved, right? You want to make, if you're a league commissioner, you're trying to have things as close to normal as they could possibly be. But you know what? They're just not going to be that way. They know so many more things, of course, that we don't know behind the scenes, but I just like just hearing Batman so much, just pushing this regular season, wanting to finish the regular season in my head. It's like, as time goes on and, and Joe, you talked about that space between, like you also have to think about like, of course, in Jordan mentioning, you want maybe a few games these guys can get under their belt and get back and rolling and then start the playoffs. Like, Hey, I don't know a scenario for that. I'll repeat it again, but bubble teams too. the team's trying to get in. You're going to have to have something else, but like, I just find it at this point, you're just trying to award a Stanley Cup and not get 
you know, impacted too much in the next season. Guys, something, though, that I found interesting with uh, another thing he mentioned yesterday. Um, I, I mean, a couple, a handful of things, but the next thing was we've been, like, at least for me, too, I've been thinking so much that whatever happens with the NBA, we're going to see that exact thing happen with the NHL as far as starting up again. Like, we're going to see the same maybe playoff format or playoff idea or, or whatever they're going to do. Um, Cause when we see the NBA come out with an idea, it's like we hear the NHL, maybe some similar, the neutral site situation, like something like that. And you can maybe imagine any sports, like they're going to maybe all be parallel or, or, or just all have the same similar understanding of the starting date firstly, and also just the fan atmosphere, what's going to happen. They're all going to be alike with that. I could imagine but him saying yesterday that the NHL's like plans aren't going to be like followed by Adam Silver in the NBA. Like they're not looking to, you know, look what the NBA is doing. I, I mean, him coming out and really saying that, I think you could maybe imagine he would say something like that. Another thing we think about on the terms of this training camp is basketball players don't have to skate. So they don't need ice time. They can literally, you know, if they have their home gyms, home courts, as we could probably picture a lot of them do they're able to do most of their, their movements, their agility work, like hockey players aren't. So that maybe is the biggest um, difference I could imagine why he would say something like that. But I mean, what do you think? Cause in my head, I'm like, I really like to a certain degree. Yes. Like I, maybe they're not going to do exactly what, you know, Adam Silver and the NBA does. Don't you think these guys are talking or at least like thinking about what they're, Oh, what are you guys thinking to do? Okay. We're going to maybe look, on the same scenario. Joe, I don't know. Like, I, well, I just would think that they're working together a little bit at least. Well, Katie, let's be honest here too. A lot of this is financial and you yeah. know, the, the NBA brings in more revenue than the NHL does. So I feel like the NHL is maybe, maybe they're going to take, go out on a limb a little more, maybe to, to make things happen. And guess what? If they're the first league that decides to do something, that's great attention for the league. It's great attention for the league. Not that the NBA would follow suit, but it's almost never where hockey gets to take the spotlight of the four major sports. So I feel like of the – excluding football because that wouldn't be starting to the fall, but it, of, the, of the three sports that would be in season right now, I feel like hockey is, has the most news trickling out about how this would be done that sounds concrete. Um, Jordan mentioned baseball earlier. You have really what we thought, what we've heard is this um, long-term quarantine, playing games in Arizona at spring training sites. And we've heard Zach Wheeler from the Phillies say that he wouldn't, be agreeable to that because, as you mentioned earlier uh, with Scott Hartnell mentioning earlier in the week, uh, Zach Wheeler says he's not going mi to miss the, the birth of his first child. So, you know, it feels like some of these ideas are far-fetched, and I don't feel like what the NHL kind of talked about this week is that far-fetched. I feel like that's much more realistic, and maybe they see this as an opportunity to put the spotlight on their league. And I don't think yeah. that's necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, and I think maybe there's a sense of pride there with Gary Bettman saying, like, hey, we're not going to take our lead or we're not going to take um, – we're not going to make our decisions based off of what other people are doing. 
Yeah. Uh, maybe he's just saying, hey, you know, we're the NHL. We are a different sport than these other sports. We've been doing this a long time and we trust, you know, that, you know, how we do things will be the right way. But of course, I think they're going to do their due diligence. And like Katie said, talking to other leagues, other commissioners, obviously the health officials. Uh, so they'll definitely do their homework. But I wonder if that was just a bit of a pride thing of saying, hey, you know, we'll make decisions based on what we think is right. And, uh, you know, I know a lot of people were saying the NBA were kind of the tone setters and everything being uh, paused, which was great. Like, bravo to the NBA. It was awesome. And I'm glad that kind of spearheaded this and made sure everyone was safe. So maybe some leagues are just saying, hey, well, listen, we're not going to just sit and wait and see what the NBA does before we, before we make a decision. But I'm glad the topic yeah. of playoffs is on our mind because we were – uh, fortunate enough to have an, a video interview with Mark Recchi, the assistant coach of the Penguins. And uh, Katie and Joe, he had some great things to say about uh, this quarantine process and also just gearing up for the Flyers because it sounds like they believe that could be the opponent they'll get when things resume. Let's hop into that interview, hear what Mark had to say, and, uh, and then we'll see uh, what we think about it. DraftKings has partnered with United Way to help those affected by COVID-19. To join the rally, take a picture of you in a rally cap, post it on social media, take three friends, and use the hashtag DKRally. DraftKings will donate $1 to United Way until they reach $1 million. Visit DraftKings.com slash DKRally for details. We're, we actually think if we do play that we're going to probably end up playing them. So we're, we're kind of preparing like we are anyways. So... You know what? They they really came together as a team this year. They have become a really stingy team. And our first 50 games, 40, 50 games with all our injuries, we kind of played that that same identity that they created, a, you know, the more from like, uh, I think they didn't get off to a great start, but they really did a good right. job. Players did a terrific job. Obviously, the coaches did a great job. They're a really good team, and they were stingy. Like when we played them those couple games uh, – right before the break, and then we, we played them not long after. I mean, it, they were tough games, and that they were playing really, really good hockey. So we knew we were going to be, you know, if we end up facing them, we know we're going to be, no matter what, we're going to be in for it. It's going to be a dogfight because they're playing. They were playing terrific before, and it's not going to go far away. They're still going to come back. They obviously have the right attitude. The players do. So, they, you know, they've done a heck of a job there, and, and you know, we – they're, they're tough. I mean, they've, they've done a great job. Their goaltending has been very good. Uh, you know, the combination of the veteran with the young, you know, Carter Hart. And, uh, you know, so it's, it's um, you know, it's, it's good. And, you know, they're, I think their deep core is very solid. I think Matt Niskanen was a huge pickup for him. Um, yeah. You know, I think yeah. he's a terrific defenseman. So, you know, he's a good veteran that stabilizes things. He's a really good person. Your NBC Sports Philadelphia podcasts are now on the My Teams app. Listen to Eagle Eye, Sixers Talk, Phillies Talk, and Flyers Talk now. You got to love, guys, when we're hearing different coaches. Ruby hinted on it, giving praise to the Flyers. And you see Recky, assistant coach of the Penguins. They know, of course, the Penguins. What an ideal matchup that would hopefully be. It's going to be a dogfight if it comes down to that. All season long, just battling with the Flyers. Joe, you've been a part of all of these interviews. It's, it's so cool, of course, for you to see as well because you've, you've been working so much seeing these guys play and now coaching. And, of course, Bundy's a great interviewer, Chris Terry, and catching up with some of his old teammates on that five-overtime game. I mean, first and foremost, got to love to hear about the praise he gives to the Flyers, especially when he's coming from a team like the Penguins. And, guys, we've been talking all year about how Matt Niskanen 
not only has he been a steadying force on the blue line for the Flyers on the ice during games, but that locker room also. Um, the guy's a multi-time Stanley Cup champion with two different teams. He's been in a lot of locker rooms. He's a veteran. He has that veteran savvy, and we've seen it on countless occasions this year. So I think Mark's seeing a lot of the same stuff that we've seen all year. And, um, you know, it, it's interesting to hear that coming from uh, an opposing bench like the Penguins, uh, where he's an assistant coach. Yeah, you really see the league-wide respect that Matt Niskanen has, and well-earned. Been there, done that kind of guy, quiet leader, but has won a cup, and obviously has played on some really good teams and has been really productive. And the Flyers have seen the benefit of, of having him. And, and to me, it, yeah, what really stood out was, you know, an established guy like Mark Recchi, the Hockey Hall of Famer, three-time cup champion, uh, and, and an assistant coach. Um, and he has seen how the, st- the strides that the Flyers made from last season to this season uh, are massive. And, uh, and you can see that. You could hear that in the way he said how they were stingy to play against um, Craig Ruby said that was one of their toughest games of the season when the Flyers went into St. Louis and beat him in overtime. That's high praise and just shows you where the Flyers have gone in one year to the next. And we said it time and time again, but it really is a, a credit to Elaine Vigneault and Chuck Fletcher, the additions that they made, and then what Elaine Vigneault really did in terms of implementing his system and forcing the Flyers to play that style. The Flyers, I think a lot of people looked at the Flyers last year as a team that was easy to play against almost soft. Um, I don't want to, you know, sound too harsh there in terms of saying they were soft, but, you know, they had like a minus 37 goal differential. They were constantly down to nothing in the first period. Uh, too many times was the opposition was totally dictating the game. And it's really been the opposite this season. Uh, and the fact that Mark Recchi has seen that the Penguins with all the cups they've won recently uh, to know that they'd be in for a dog fight, as Mark Recchi said, uh, in a first-round playoff matchup. And I think it shows you, too, that uh, the, the Penguins are already gearing up for them. They, they probably know yeah. that's a good chance they're going to play them, and they want to get in as much homework as they can on the Flyers. Uh, and, and, Katie, what would you think of that matchup? I know we've spoken to it a little bit, but uh, it sure would be a fun matchup, and I think it would be one of the more competitive ones we would see. Uh, what, what do you think? Are you kidding? This is one of my favorite parts of hockey and of the NHL are these rivalries, Jordan. This would be yeah. the, the most ideal way to get back in the, into action, I think. Uh, to start hockey back up again, no better way than sort of a baptism of fire, and you're just going right away. You're, uh, you're playing one of the top teams. So much emotion in those games. Again, going back to Scott Hartnell talking, okay, of course, about the Hulk Hogan situation. I don't know if Hulk Hogan would be – in attendance with no fans, but uh, I'm sure he'd be uh, involved in that. No, but him giving his take as a player, uh, and we see it on the ice out there from afar. Like, this is an emotional game players love to be in, is a big rivalry, and fans will love to see, you know, with the Flyers and the Penguins. Um, as far as this year with the standings, like, the standings right now, of course, Flyers are above the Penguins. I think that um, this would be an interesting series I don't know if how much we can sort of maybe guess how teams are going to do because of this this break this hiatus I mean you don't really know what teams are going to have um but I, I would think just as far as being a bystander um covering this seeing it we would love to see playoff hockey but we also would very much love to see um the Penguins and the Flyers match up with Ricky to uh 
uh, I, talking with uh, Chris Karen afterwards, it's like, oh, how'd it go? And, and Joe, you saw it right there live when they were recording it. He's like, oh, it's just catching up with an old teammate. Like, of course, he gives praise to the Flyers. But, um, Joe, what was that like? I mentioned it earlier, them reflecting on that five-overtime game. Like, what other parts of that interview were you just like – because you remember watching these guys so much, you know, um, and, and covering them when they were playing. Uh, what was that like for you to just sit back and listen to their talk? Yeah, um, so I go back I go back to when I was a little kid and my early years of being uh, a hockey fan. And when Mark Recchi was on the Flyers the first time, he actually had the best statistical season in the history of the franchise. And, and uh, when Eric Lindros first came to the Flyers – he, Recky, and a guy named Brent Fedick, who was number 18, they made up a line called the Crazy Eights line that um, was kind of the first time I remember really embracing a, a line that had a nickname. And then, of course, the Legion of Doom came along with LeClaire and Michael Renberg along with Lindros. Um, but, yeah, it, it brought back a lot of memories. And then when Recky came back for his second tenure, he had a, a, a strikingly similar pattern to Rick Tockett, who was back and forth between the Penguins and Flyers. When Recky came back the second time, he had a great season, uh, I believe 91 points in the 99-2000 season, which ended with a uh, loss in the conference finals to the Devils, um, the game we all remember with uh, uh, the last game Eric Lindros played in a Flyers uniform was how that season ended with Scott Stevens um, with the hit on him um, and that, that scene that uh, most Flyer fans want to forget. Um, but they, that was, the, of course, the team that won the five-overtime game. So there was plenty discussed about the five-overtime game. And Recky, I think, put it best in our interview with him, uh, saying that, you know, it, as the time went on during that game, it seemed like – the story was what was going on between the periods as opposed to what was going on uh, on the ice. Of course, he said Jonesy was there entertaining everybody, Keith Jones, a part of that team, as was Chris Terrian, and so many of these great guys. And Keith Primo, of course, ending it in the fifth overtime, um, was uh, one of the most epic games in the history of the NHL playoffs, let alone the history of the Flyers. So it was, it was great hearing the two of them catch up on all of that stuff. Um, as well as now hearing Mark's insights about the uh, the current league and what the current matchup would look like with him, of course, being behind the bench as an assistant to uh, Mike Sullivan in Pittsburgh uh, with the Penguins. Talk about a heavyweight uh, coaching matchup, possibly, in that first <laughs> round. You, Mike Sullivan, who's won Cups. Uh, you have Mark Recchi, who's a Hall of Famer. Then on the other side, you have Elaine Vigneault, who's been to two Cups and has been coaching a long time. You have Michelle Terrian, who's been to a cup as a head coach. A lot of firepower there on the bench, and a lot of uh, Penguins and Flyers ties on both sides. Obviously, Mark Recchi playing for the Flyers. Uh, Terrian, Mike Yo, both coaching the Penguins. Um, so, yeah, I think that would be a really just a fun, fun series. Even if there was no fans in the building, uh, man, I think we would all love just to watch, watch that series and see, that, see the coaching matchups there. Um, Jordan, I have to uh, add too, like going back to the Penguins matchup in 2012 with Laviolette and uh, and Granado. Like, are you talking a heavyweight? Like, what are you meaning by that heavyweight coaching staff? Are you saying like they might go at it or what? No, not they won't go at it. But I will say, if you're looking for an edge, I'm um, taking the Flyers bench. I, 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 I would too. 
I would too. Some <laughs> tough guys on that Flyers bench with Ian LaPerriere and Yo Yo and Michelle Terrian's been around and AV. I, I wouldn't doubt that guy. Uh, guys, we're not <laughs> encouraging fighting to our listeners. No, we are not. No, that's funny. <laughs> Well, what you also have to consider here, too, is you're likely going to be without fans. So players are going to be looking to do anything to supply energy. And that, you know, it just you brought up 2012. And I think back to game one of the series with Pittsburgh that year, that was the Giroux first shift that everybody remembers when he told everybody to watch his first shift. He went out, he he laid a huge hit on Sidney Crosby and then scored a goal. And I mean that just set the tone for that whole series and that all happened in the first few minutes of the game. And I think you're going to have the onus is going to be on the players to create more moments like that because you won't have a a building full of 18 to 20,000 people that are, you know, kind of like gnashing their teeth at the other team. They're going to have to supply all that energy themselves. So I think you're going to have a lot of, a lot of that type of stuff and, and a lot of, things that maybe you don't see on a regular basis in today's NHL, you might start to see in these games where there's not going to be fans. So energy has to be generated from other places. Yeah. We'll see if it's generated from the benches, the coaching staff. (laughs) Yeah. Bill Bill Clement. I know when he was on uh, the Flyers talk podcast with us about a week or so ago, so he had an excellent point that touches on your point, Joe, about how important coaching could be. Uh, during these playoffs when you consider one there could be an extended time off well there already is but uh you know players might be coming back and maybe you if, if they do have to jump into the playoffs uh, players might be trying to do a little too much be forcing the issue instead of just maybe playing it how they want to play that simple game that we love to say but and then also with no fan if there's p- potentially no fans in the building um yeah I think coaching could be absolutely vital in these playoffs uh in, in terms of just getting their teams to focus and maybe not go out there and try to do too much or try to take someone's head off and just actually play their game. Uh, and that will come from coaching. That will come from coaching uh, and coaches getting these players to focus on how they want to play uh, in times that are going to be vastly different from the past uh, playoffs. So yeah, uh, I should definitely Coach- be intrigued. Yeah, definitely coaching and leadership. And with that too, that recce interview, among so many other interviews, so great. And Joe, you've been helping with that. Simone Gagne also got on. Um, and, and so much for our listeners to head to the website journey. I know you had a great article about that, um, about Recky's interview and the other interviews coming through. If you guys are trying to listen to more of that, again, find it on our website or the My Teams app. As always, Joe, you're more than welcome to hop on with us anytime. We always love your takes. We love maybe a little bit of your uh, artwork in your house. So, you know, really looking forward to the next artwork you're going to be featuring. No, I'm kidding. But <laughs> it's always good to have you. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thank you for having me. I, uh, anytime. Love doing it. Thanks so much, Joe and Katie. Thank you, as always. That is the latest edition of the Flyers Talk podcast. Wherever you get your podcast, please rate and subscribe. And we can't wait to talk to you next time. <laughs>